worldwide. I'm Jim Dawes, and you're on right now. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Streaming live on iHeartRadio. Available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, or Spotify. This is your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Want to shoot me an email? The address is right now, Jim Dawes, at gmail.com. Want to get some off your chest? Leave a message on our vent line at 772-245-0750. We just might use your call on the broadcast. That number again, 772-245-0750. Well, I took the lovely Liz out to see Dwight Yoakam in Melbourne, Florida last night in a, uh, a kind of a small arena on the college campus there. Uh, and if you have not seen Dwight Yoakam, or even if you have, you should never let this guy pass within 200 miles of you without uh, without seeing this show Dwight is the real deal um unlike a, a lot of what goes on in Nashville these days um you know he's the authentic article inherited the Bakersfield sound from uh, Buck Owens and Merle Haggard and others and he has been a uh, faithful keeper of the flame and man he lit it up last night he has got a tight a four-piece band um, accompanying him, and uh, every one of them are masters of their instruments. Actually, one of the guys is a master of about six or eight in- instruments, uh, including steel guitar, fiddle, mandolin, um, uh, the keys, and just a whole bunch of other stuff. And his lead guitar player, uh, man, just the best you'll ever see. He's on tour right now. He's going to be on tour until June of next year. And I think he's got about 30 more dates uh, lined up. Uh, he's got a couple of more in Florida. Then he's going back to California and then headed uh, headed west. He's got several nights in uh, Las Vegas, which if you're not close to uh, one of these uh, tours is a, uh, a, a good place to, to take a trip uh, to uh, take in this show. He's going up to the upper Midwest. It's just uh, unbelievable, the the show he put on. One badass song after the next. You know, no break in between. Just hard, honky-tonk, Bakersfield music uh, coming at you um, straight up. Oh, so, you know, I, I thought that the Democrats were going to keep on uh, with their impeachment uh, frenzy, these hearings. Uh, but all of a sudden they've gone dark and they've gone back down to Schiff's star chamber and taking more depositions. He's trying to, you know, build on, uh, this, uh, uh this supposed, uh, aid to Bill Taylor that overheard Trump on the phone. He's called that guy in and they're going to, you know, try to fan the flames and, and get that going because, uh, apparently nobody has ever heard, uh, you know, uh, the words directly from Donald Trump's mouth. And this guy, Bill Taylor, who we are led to believe is a, you know, perfectly um, unbiased witness who's just doing his civic duty by 
uh, testifying against the president. Suddenly, one of his aides pops up and says, well, I overheard a conversation with uh, Ambassador Sondland and Trump, and I could hear Trump on the other end of the phone. <laughs> that is uh, the, the depth to which the Democrats' case has sunk to. And uh, you know that you're losing uh, this impeachment. You know these hearings were a flop when you're losing these late-night hosts uh, who have <laughs> sacrificed their ratings on the altar of never Trump and, uh, and turned, you know, the, the late night genre into, uh, all Trump all the time, all anti-Trump all the time, I should say. But, uh, Conan O'Brien, I guess he's got the show on TBS had this to say about the Democrats, um, <laughs> bombshell hearings that, uh, they led us to believe were coming. Today, the uh, new evidence uh, against President Trump was called damning. Some say this could end his presidency. No, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm sorry. This joke is from two years ago. <laughs> that joke is also from one year ago. <laughs> And six months yeah. ago, we have not. We've used that cue card like yeah, fifteen yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's deja vu all over again. And you know, uh, one thing I'm noticing is these uh, audiences uh, are starting to um, are starting to realize that you know the joke is on them, and and they are actually, at least in Conan's case, and on the uh, the audience at the View. Uh, starting to uh, be more, uh, laugh more at uh, the jokes that are critical of the never Trumpers than they are at the at the uh, lame ass jokes that are just tiresome at this point, uh, criticizing Trump. But the late night ratings are in, in the tank. Uh, they lost about fifteen percent of their audience last year, and they're on a uh, uh, course to lose even more than that this year. All three of the shows, um, average combined, average less than six million viewers. Johnny Carson, in his heyday, would bring in nine million viewers just by himself, and when Leno inherited it, he would bring in six million just by himself. And I, 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 there's four late night shows now, and they can barely break six million viewers. <laughs> um, Serious FM noticed what was going on and they actually put up a, a a Johnny Carson channel on their satellite radio network uh so that people you know that that had a taste for this stuff could uh, to go go listen to the uh, the authentic article but all this hasn't stopped CNN and MSNBC they're still over there feeding their audience uh, dreams of impeachment sort of like uh, Don Quixote tilting at windmills. And, uh, and they jumped on, you know, this, uh, these hearings to characterize them as the, the final nail in the coffin. What the president did in the record now, to my mind, is clearly impeachable and clearly removable because he was giving away, he was compromising right. the sovereignty of our elections for uh, personal benefit. So, so. So, oh, it's clearly impeachable and clearly removable. And uh, Rachel Maddow sees this as an opportunity 
uh, not to divide the country, which it obviously is, but she thinks this is going to be something we can all rally around and unite. It's not only criminal, it is definitely impeachable conduct, and they admit that. Oh, and so how are we going to proceed as a country toward deciding whether or not he gets impeached and removed from office? Well, we saw day one of that effort today, and they are calmly elucidating the facts. And I think it is actually going to be a useful thing for the country. I think this is going to be a sort of a – I don't think this is going to be a divisive thing. I think this is going to get people on the same page. Oh, it's going to get people on the same page. The uh, the Trump supporters and the Republican base are all going to rally around uh, Ambassador Will uh, Bill Taylor and uh, – Deputy Assistant to the Vice President, Undersecretary of the Charge Aid Affairs, or whatever his damn title is, George Kent. I mean, it's something to watch. You got John Dean over there on CNN peddling uh, the same line that he's been peddling ever since he, um, you know, uh, flipped on Richard Nixon. He peddled it, uh, well, he's peddled it against every Republican. He peddled it against uh, both George W. Bushes, and now he's peddling it against Donald Trump, that this is worse even than Watergate. What struck me today in listening to these two witnesses is they already have more than they had against Richard Nixon to impeach him. (laughs) Except for a crime, an actual crime. John Dean has been dining out on that line. This is worse than Watergate for uh, uh, 40 years now, over four, almost 40 years. <laughs> Pretty good living if you can make it. He just, you know, waits for the call. Hey, we need somebody to come on set and say this is worse than Watergate. Oh, I'll be right there. What's uh, What are you going to pay me? <clears throat> and over at Fox News, uh, Judge Napolitano is uh, – is vying <clears throat> now that Shepard Smith has left. Excuse me. Is uh, now that Shepard Smith has left Fox News, uh, Judge Napolitano is trying to fill the gap as the stupidest person on that cable news network. Well, everybody does have their own opinion, but if you look at the big picture, there doesn't seem to be any dispute but that the president wanted dirt on Biden and the president was willing to hold up military aid in order to get it. Well,. Uh, actually, we do know that uh, Trump wanted dirt on Biden. Well, if there was dirt to be had, shouldn't the American people know that? If if uh, Joe Biden was knee-deep in corruption, as appears to be the case, taking millions of dollars for himself and his family from a corrupt energy company, the most corrupt company in the most corrupt nation in Europe, shouldn't we know about that? There's absolutely no proof in the record so far except for third, fourth-hand hearsay that Trump conditioned that on anything, and even if he did, even if he did, I would say, hell yeah, we ought to condition our aid. Shouldn't be just giving it out for no reason. You'll recall George Kent, who is trying desperately to spin this uh, case against Trump, had to admit that, yeah, there was a, well, he calls it a perception. Piece of a long-standing problem of corruption in Ukraine included exposure to a situation involving the energy company Burisma. The primary concern of the U.S. government since 2014 was Burisma's owner, Mykola Zlochevsky, whose frozen assets abroad we had attempted to recover on Ukraine's behalf. 
In early 2015, I raised questions with the Deputy Prosecutor General about why the investigation of Mr. Zlochewski had been terminated, based on our belief that prosecutors had accepted bribes to close the case. Later, I became aware that Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma. Soon after that, in a briefing call with the National Security Staff of the Office of the Vice President in February of 2015, I raised my concern that Hunter Biden's status as a board member could create the perception of a conflict of interest. The perception, he says. This could create the perception that Hunter Biden was appointed to the board of the most corrupt company and the most corrupt nation in Europe two weeks after his father was given uh, policy authority over that country. Oh, yeah, that's just a perception. And the Democrats are determined to stop this, but they've got they've got more and more information coming out of the Ukraine now. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. It, it uh, certainly is a predicate for an investigation. One of their uh, parliamentarians are over there saying that uh, uh, Joe Biden actually profited to the tune of $900,000 directly from Burisma. But, uh, you know, despite the fact that uh, Judge Napolitano and John Dean and and all of these uh, other um, wild-eyed impeachment enthusiasts think that they finally got Trump 11 months before the election, Ken Starr was uh, over on the set of uh, Fox and Friends and sort of threw cold water all over this. Were very strong. I think the members overall acquitted themselves extremely well on both sides of uh, the aisle. The quality of the questioning was extremely high for the most part. One key thing the Republicans not only are rock solid, so that means if this trend continues, there is no hope for impeachment for the conviction in the House. In the Senate, I mean, in, in the Senate. And here, to me, was something that was very telling. No crime was proven today. There were a lot of terms used, extortion and bribery, but no crime. This is very unlike Nixon and unlike Clinton. This idea that they're going to apply the terms bribery or uh, extortion to the president's legitimate use of his foreign policy uh, authority is absurd. we got to run out to a break. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we come back. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. So uh, in this impeachment hearing today where we impeach presidents for treason or bribery or other high crimes, where is the impeachable offense in that call? Are either of you here today to assert there was an impeachable offense in that call? Shout it out. Anyone? Anybody? Where is the impeachable offense? 
and they're uh, they're trying to base this off of hearsay. Um, it it the reason hearsay is not admissible is because it's it's not the best evidence. If you heard somebody say something and they really said that, you got to call them and ask them about it. You had this uh, this guy Quigley, this Democrat Quigley, saying, "Oh, hearsay evidence can be better than uh, than direct evidence." Well, I guess. He's talking about the exception to the hearsay rule for dying declarations. If somebody makes a statement to you as they're dying, then that is admissible hearsay because you cannot, um, you know, ask the uh, the person that's dead. So it's you know an exception to hearsay. There's a couple of others uh, uh, statements against interest, I think, but none of these uh, forms of hearsay that we're talking about here fit within any of those exceptions. They're just basically, they're just uh, office gossip that Bill Taylor and George Kent were engaged in. And I, I played this clip for you yesterday. It's about a minute long, but it, it bears repeating again because the, the former wrestling coach for the university of Ohio, <laughs> Uh, did a much better job than all of these Ivy League educated lawyers that were on that intelligence committee and really distilled this whole case that uh, Bill Taylor was presenting down to this. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmack on September 1st, 2019 in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. Now, this is his clarification. Let me read it one more time. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told him this is this is his clarification. Let me read it one more time. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmok on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. We got six people having four conversations in one sentence, and you just told me this is where you got your clear understanding. Which I, I mean, <laughs> this is where you got your clear understanding. Jim Jordan must be uh, drinking Red Bulls or something, man. That guy, uh, his mind operates at a thousand miles a minute. Just told me this is where you got your clear understanding. Which, I, I mean, <laughs> even though you had three opportunities with President Zelensky for him to tell you, you know what? We're going to do these investigations to get the aid. Didn't tell you three different times. Never makes an announcement. Never tweets about it. Never does a CNN interview. Ambassador, you weren't on the call, were you? The president, you didn't listen on President Trump's call and President Lindsey's call. I did not. You never talked with Chief of Staff Mulvaney. I never did. You never met the president. That's correct. You had three meetings again with Zelensky, and it didn't come up. And <laughs> nothing. He heard somebody say something, and he said himself, "I'm here to tell you what people told me." And when uh, when Jordan was going through that, uh, Taylor himself had to uh, sort of snicker at the absurdity of all of this. So, uh, the case against Roger Stone has gone to the jury. They, uh, they gave the jury the case. I think it was Thursday evening, no Wednesday evening. So they've, uh, they've been deliberating now for a day, which is usually not a good sign. Usually, uh, if they're going to have an acquittal, uh, it'll come back, you know, uh, sooner than this. There, uh, there's somebody in there that uh, is probably holding out, and the question will be whether or not they can hold out. Of course, you know the the case against Roger Stone is has gone before a jury uh, from a uh, a pool that voted 95 percent 
for Hillary Clinton and this corrupt uh, judge, Amy Berman Jackson, who somehow has ended up with all of these cases connected to Russiagate. Just magically. And uh, is, uh, is you know, prosecuting them uh, like a, ha- a hanging judge. Uh, she, she allowed people to get on this jury that were, <laughs> in one case, I think he got on there. He was a former communications director for the Obama administration. It's a highly partisan jury pool. And, uh, and they're deliberating over it. What, only thing that I can see that Roger Stone can hope for is that somehow uh, his defense team was able to get a uh, an objective trier of fact on that jury, and that guy is holding out, that guy or gal is holding out. But, uh, you know, uh, Robert Mueller and Andrew Weissman, who, by the way, now is a paid contributor over at MSNBC, so yes, we've got, we, we all predicted it, that Andrew Weissman, you know, would go uh, uh, get, a big payday off of his involvement in this, um, this Russia gate hoax. He's on the set over there at MSNBC. But what's clear is Roger Stone is, um, uh, is a BS artist. He likes to, um, exaggerate his, uh, connections and his importance. And, and he likes to talk a bunch of smack. And he's been doing it for a long time. Um, he's just sort of a, a, a DC character. But when you look at the actual facts of this case that came out in the trial, it's clear that, um, that Roger Stone had no prior knowledge of the DNC, uh, the WikiLeaks leaks of um, DNC or John Podesta emails other than what was already in the public knowledge. And the prosecution was able to put on no examples of Roger Stone communicating with Ricky Leaks or Russia. His only communications was this, was with, with this guy, Randy Credico, who's a, a radio talk show host in New York City, who whose attorney was also representing Julian Assange. So Roger Stone was trying to get information to Julian Assange through Randy Credico's attorney, who refused to do it and testified so. And they, uh, uh, Mueller's team is trying to whip this in by saying that, um, that uh, Assange told Steve Bannon on... Um, July 31st, 2016, that more, uh, leaks were coming from WikiLeaks. Well, that was in the public record on July 29th. He, he didn't have to have any communications with the WikiLeaks. All he had to do was watch CNN. Uh, I saw an interview where you said you had, quote, a lot more material uh, that you might release pertaining to the U.S. election. Are you referring to more emails from the DNC? Because I talked to Donna Brazil, who, as you know, has now replaced Debbie Wasserman Schultz in the wake of this, who says that the hack went on for more than uh, a year, they believe, and that there very well may be a lot more things out there. We have more material related to the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign, is correct to say that, also to be very precise, 
So Assange was on TV on the 29th saying that we've got more material coming. Roger Stone tells Steve Bannon, WikiLeaks has more material. On the 31st, he says this. And they want to put Roger Stone in jail for the rest of his life for that. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll uh, cover Trump's big rally in Mosier City, Louisiana last night. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Mojo 5 When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. What, what I can do um, here for you today is tell you what I heard from people. <laughs> Mr. Morrison said that he told Ambassador Bolton and the NSC lawyers of this phone call. I heard a staff person from the Office of Management and Budget say they told me that partway through the meeting, Mr. Morrison told me Ambassador Sondland also said, according to Mr. Morrison, Ambassador Volker said, Mr. Morrison said, this was an explanation <clears throat> that, that uh, Ambassador Sondland gave me about his understanding of President Trump's thought process. You know, I feel kind of bad for... Uh, Bill Taylor, he he was a, uh, a decorated um, army officer in Vietnam. He, by all accounts, is uh, you know lived a, a life of service uh, in uh, in the foreign service in Washington D.C. Uh, he's called up there by a subpoena. He he should have joined that lawsuit to try to get a determination from the court whether or not these subpoenas were legitimate. But he didn't. He went, he trooped on up there. And the Democrats put him on the spot by demanding that he uh, he start trafficking in hearsay, which is uh, you know they're saying, well, these rules don't apply to the to impeachment. Really, we're going to have rules of evidence that are weaker uh, to impeach the president of the United States than you would enjoy if you went into traffic court. This kind of evidence would not be admissible, you know, for. Uh, the the lowest uh, zoning violation in any any municipal court in this land. There would be an objection. It would be stricken from the record. 
And then you, uh, you know, the Democrats, they, they just roll right over constitutional protections and they get poor old Bill Taylor up there saying stupid stuff like that. That'll be what he's remembered for. Well, the president uh, was in Bossier City, Louisiana last night, uh, another one of these big rallies. People were actually camped out for, uh, for days trying to get into this rally. And, you know, we keep hearing that um, Donald Trump is going to go down in defeat. You have never seen the kind of enthusiasm or the ability to fill up these arenas ever in our history. And, uh, and a lot of elections comes down to voter enthusiasm. And there's nobody on the Democrat side that can touch Trump's voter enthusiasm or even hold a candle to it. They had uh, Duval Pat- Patrick, former governor of Massachusetts. So <laughs> the Democrats are trying to push another uh, Massachusetts liberal on us. You know, this has got a long history at this point, you would think that maybe they would get a clue. Ted Kennedy, uh, well, you know, I, I guess they, they do have John Kennedy that was elected uh, from Massachusetts, but you had Ted Kennedy that voters rejected. You had uh, uh, Dukakis that, uh, that went down in flames. You had John Kerry go down in flames. You've got right now the governor, former governor of Massachusetts, uh, William Weld running against Donald Trump in the GOP primaries that doesn't even have 1%. And you got Elizabeth Warren up there uh, that's going to be representing Massachusetts, and they want to push yet another. This guy's an Obama acolyte. You know, we've taken notice that Obama has not endorsed his own vice president, Joe Biden, for the nomination, and now after having several phone calls with Obama, they're uh, they're trying to trot out um, Duval Patrick, who I guess is going to employ the same magic Negro um, strategy that won uh, Obama the uh, the presidency. Now, before you start calling me a, a racist for using that term, the magic Negro strategy, and uh, and complaining to YouTube and, and uh, Facebook and Twitter to try to get me banned. That is not my term. That is a term that appeared uh, in the Los Angeles Times uh, talk, uh, talking about Obama and this, uh, this use of um, li- white liberals, mostly from the coasts, uh, you know, using... Uh, a, a black person as a vehicle to rep- represent their interests. And that's exactly what this guy Duval Patrick is. He's leaving the board of the Bain Corporation to run for president. That's the same Bain Corporation that Mitt Romney worked for, a consulting company that specializes in dismantling American businesses selling their equipment uh, overseas uh, to offshore those jobs, raiding the pensions and the health care benefits for employees of, to enrich uh, the Bain Corporation and their clients. They are the vulture capitalists that we heard so much about uh, during the 2014 presidential election. Was it 2000? 
2016 presidential election. No, I'm sorry, 2012. I'll get it right. Get it right, Jim. 2012 presidential election. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to bring somebody from the Bain Corporation that specializes in raiding people's retirement funds and shipping their jobs overseas, and he's going to join the Democrat race to represent the working people by employing the magic Negro strategy. So uh, Trump was, um, you know, while the, uh, the Democrats are focused entirely obsessively on impeachment, Trump and his administration are actually getting things done for the American people. Uh, yesterday we had a news conference with the new CBP, uh, uh, Customs and Border Patrol, Director Mark Moran, Morgan, I'm sorry, Mark Morgan, and he had this to say about the situation on the border. But I'm happy to report this month, the month of October, has continued with that trend, reaching a 14% decline compared to September, with just over 42,000 apprehensions, defying typical seasonal trends once again over the past seven years. And this represents an overall decrease of almost 70% since the peak in May of this year. This is a significant decline. Let me put this in perspective real quick. By mid-year, CBP was detaining almost 20,000 detainees in custody. Now, we average less than 3,500 daily. At the height of the crisis, CBP apprehensions exceeded 5,000 in a single day. Now we're averaging just over 1,300, and we all but ended catch and release. Migrants can no longer expect to be allowed into the interior of the United States based on fraudulent asylum claims. And more importantly, we're sending a message to the criminal organizations to stop exploiting these migrants and their profit-making schemes. So they've made great progress on the border. Those are still eye-popping numbers when you realize that they're they're still apprehending over 40,000 illegal aliens at the border every month. Those, those are still big numbers, but they're down by 70%. So that shows you how bad the, the situation was that, uh, that had developed on the border. Thanks to the obstruction of the Democrats, absolutely refusing to fund the president's wall or to, uh, do anything about our uh, permissive immigration laws. And the president was in Bossier City, Louisiana last night. There's a, uh, a big governor's race going on in Louisiana and Trump is doing his best to unseat the Democrat incumbent John Bell Edwards and, uh, and promote the Republican candidate. He had a, uh, a rally just last week in Lake Charles, and now he's up in the northwest corner of the state near Shreveport in Bossier City. And this is what he had to have to say about the situation on the border. We've launched historic and unprecedented action to secure our southern border. We have just released brand new border numbers today, showing that we have successfully reduced illegal crossings by more than 70% since May. And I can proudly announce that we have ended catch and release, and we are building the wall faster than anyone thought possible. So in addition to that this week, while the impeachment 
hearings were going on, we learned that uh, the Dow Jones broke yet another record, the stock market average, and uh, and the, the economy is continuing to create jobs and continuing to increase wages for working people. Here's a clip. This is Tim Murtaugh over on the uh, Fox Business Channel talking about this um, this red-hot economy. The fact is the economy is strong and continues to grow. Wages are still uh, up, raised up uh, at their highest level over 10 years. And in fact, there's better news for those at the bottom half of the wage earning spectrum. Their wages are rising at twice the rate as the people on the top half of the wage earning spectrum. So this Trump economy is strong and continues to grow. And it's going to be one of the consistent points that we argue that argues very strongly for the president's reelection. Because all those policies that you just rattled off that the Democrats are running on, those are all economic. Killers. They're all economy killers. You got all of these Democrat presidential candidates out there making these pie in the sky promises, free guaranteed income, free tuition, free health care, including free illegals. All of this stuff is job destroying policies. And that's exactly what the, the uh, Democrats are. They're destroyers. They, they wreck everything they touch. And if you ever allow them to get control of this economy again, you're really going to regret it. Because finally, after a sort of a bipartisan sellout of the American worker in the American economy, we've got a guy that's uh, in the White House that realizes that his first responsibility is to the American people. Before my election, our leaders used the great American middle class as a piggy bank to fund their delusional global projects. We took care of nations all over the world, nations you never even heard of. They decimated American manufacturing to promote economic growth in foreign countries. They used our military to defend immensely wealthy nations, subsidizing their welfare states with your money. And they poured precious American blood and treasure into the Middle East while our cities fell into decay and disrepair. But I was elected to be president of the United States, not to be president of the world. I mean, what he said, like, right in that uh, that one little tight passage, it, uh, represents so many truths about the governing class's betrayal of America. You know, they dismantled almost entirely the textile and furniture-making industries in the Carolinas and and, uh, parts of Virginia and shipped those jobs to third-world countries on purpose. They said that, I mean, the globalists knew that they were going to sacrifice those sectors because they removed all the tariffs uh, off of those those sectors. They were going to sacrifice them to these third-world countries. They were saying that this was because they had to build up the economy of these nations. And if there was some suffering with the people that were working in those jobs and able to provide for their families, well, you know, we'll retrain those people, they said. The retraining never came through because by the time uh, you would retrain for a job, they had sold out that sector as well. And uh, the point he made about subsidizing the welfare states of other countries is just devastating. We've been paying for the defense of Europe, very wealthy countries in Europe, for over 50 years. 
And at the same time, they refuse to pay for their own defense, and we carry the burden of that. They've got these lavish welfare and work benefits that they uh, give to their workers. So our workers are working their fingers to the bone in order to provide, you know, 30 days vacation for people in France and Germany. And the president's wise to all this stuff, and the Democrats know that um, they can't beat him because he he's going to make a better case than they can possibly make. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. As little as one day. Where is this clip of Mitch McConnell pointing out that, uh, you know, while the Democrats are obsessing over this impeachment process, none of the people's business is getting done. Uh, What I'd really like to see, as we've all emphasized here today, is all of the government's necessary business being put aside, apparently because one committee is having hearings. We need action. We need action on NDAA, action on funding the government, action on USMCA. As quickly as the House can do things, I don't understand why they can't do this while one committee is having public hearings related to impeachment. They're not working on the budget over there. At the same time, they're uh, trying to impeach the president for temporarily withholding some uh, foreign aid for the Ukraine. The Democrats are sitting on the U.S. military budget, not moving it forward at all, not funding any of the other departments, not ratifying the uh, the United States-Mexico trade agreement, United States-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, to replace NAFTA and prove um, the competitive uh, edge for our workers so we can bring some of these jobs that uh, previous administrations have shipped overseas back home. Nancy is uh, once again saying that passage of the USMCA through the House is imminent, but we've heard this before. Trump uh, mentioned the USMCA uh, at that rally in Bossier last night. We're ending decades of ruinous trade policies that cost this state one in four manufacturing jobs, and the numbers are actually higher than that. Weak leaders and corrupt politicians sold you out. They let other countries plunder our factories and steal the crown jewels of your economy. Past administrations financed the rise of China. They had no idea what the hell they were doing. No idea. On the backs of the American middle class. But under this administration, the great betrayal is over. We are fighting for our workers, our families, our communities, and our great American dream. We're fighting for our American dream. 
I mean, just just the very idea that we took China and turned it uh, from sort of a backwater third world country into a major economic and military superpower, but at the same time while destroying our own prosperity, and Donald Trump comes in and is trying to at long last do something about it, and what is the the response of the establishment in Washington D.C.? <laughs> We got to impeach him because he asked about Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine. We're replacing the NAFTA catastrophe, one of the worst trade deals in history, with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. USMCA, if we could only get Pelosi to do something, she's not doing it. She sits around. It should have been approved months ago. That's a huge win. And by the way, all the Democrats want it. Everybody wants it. But she doesn't want to put it up for a vote. She's too busy doing other things. It's a huge win for Louisiana farmers and manufacturers. Pelosi and the Democrats need to stop their ridiculous witch hunts and pass the USMCA because we have a country to run and they ought to get back to running it. I'll tell you why uh, the Democrats are refusing to pass the USMCA because they don't want Trump to be able to improve the wages and working conditions of of working people they want to hold on to their uh, their labor uh, vote by try continuing to try to paint republicans as their arch enemies and their villains and this president has upset that whole paradigm and you they've actually got uh, like uh trumpka and other labor leaders up there opposing the usmca saying it's not perfect you know they find little things to quibble with and uh, and totally ignore that it's a huge improvement over the agreement that's already in place NAFTA. So once again, they're you know they're they're playing politics, trying to hold uh, a good agreement uh, hostage to a perfect agreement. <laughs> I got a clip here. This is what Nancy Pelosi used to have to say about hearsay evidence. If you're talking about impeachment, you're talking about what are the facts? If you don't have that case, you're just participating in more hearsay. I'm a longtime member of the uh, ethics committee, and there we just followed the facts, the rules of the House, and the law. No hearsay. That was on the ethics committee. We were always instructed it's not about hearsay. Given that Republicans have been arguing that yesterday's witnesses only heard, heard things secondhand. Cheryl, for the Cheryl, court Cheryl, don't out. fall into the secondhand stuff, really. That is such a fraudulent uh, <laughs> uh, proposition. So the first part of that clip was Nancy talking about hearsay on all of these ethics complaints. And then uh, suddenly she turns right around and... Um, you know, spins on her heel, and uh, suddenly she loves hearsay when this reporter asks her this question. I heard things secondhand. Cheryl, for the Cheryl, Cheryl, don't fall into the secondhand stuff, really. That is such a fraudulent uh, uh, proposition put forth by the Republicans. Cheryl, 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 get back in line. Don't fall for that secondhand hearsay defense. We can't uh, we can't fall into that. You need you need to get back in line with the rest of the media, Cheryl. What what I can do um, here for you today is tell you what I heard from people. 
I can tell you what I heard from people. <laughs> so I've got some clips now I want to play you. This is a, an interview that took place uh, over at a, uh, a show called The Gray Zone. And this is a couple of um, liberal Democrats, actually, you know, people of the left, uh, Max Blumenthal and um, uh, what's this other guy's name? Aaron Mate, and they're talking about uh, what you know actually went on over in the Ukraine. Max, as you look at the scandal as it unfolds, what sticks out to you as being uh, the key issues that are being overlooked here? Well, first of all. Uh, I think we have to say with, you know, a gun to our head just so we don't seem like we're, you know, these crypto MAGA guys who are defending Trump, that it appears pretty clear that Trump was asking for some kind of quote unquote deliverable uh, from Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. So it looks like there was some kind of quid pro quo where Trump was asking for in exchange for military aid, uh, up to $400 million worth, Trump was asking for some kind of assistance uh, from Ukrainian leadership in his investigation and the investigation of Attorney General William Barr. So that uh, that's sort of setting up, you know, they're trying to burnish their bona fides before they get to the actual reality of what went on over there in the Ukraine. Now... How did Manafort become an issue for Trump? And this is no defense of Manafort, who's worked for some of the worst uh, tyrants in the world, uh, who's, you know, as corrupt as they come in Washington, although, you know, there are thousands of mini Manaforts and major Manaforts in this city. Um, How did how did Manafort how did the U.S. media get interested in Manafort? It was through a Democratic operative who is also a Ukrainian nationalist named Alexandra Chalupa, who was working for the Democratic National Committee on Opposition Research. She helped Michael Isakoff shape his stories on Manafort. And it was Politico in January 2017, um, before Trump had even taken office, that uh, Ken Vogel, who it seemed like he was using Chalupa as his own source and he decided to burn her when he didn't need her anymore. That's just my reading. Um, But Ken Vogel turns around this story, Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump backfire. And here's what Ken Vogel wrote. Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump by publicly questioning his fitness for office. They also disseminated documents implicating a top Trump aide in corruption and suggested they were investigating the matter only to back away after the election. A Ukrainian-American operative referring to Alexandra Chalupa, who was consulting for the DNC, met with top officials in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington in an effort to expose ties between Trump, Manafort, and Russia. Uh, so it's right there. This is not, you know, something people can dismiss. <laughs> but, but Trump's not allowed to ask about that. You you sit down and take your beating. We're, we're in charge here. Leaders. We don't want to hear from you. Where is this... Uh clip that's actually talking about the coup uh that uh that joe biden and john Kerry uh, executed over in the ukraine since uh from ukrainian leadership in his investigation and the investigation of attorney general william barr into the origins of russiagate which i think you know you and i have demonstrated and others have demonstrated and i mean it was basically demonstrated before the u.s public 
was essentially an elaborate uh, national security state hoax. Um, so I think that it's legitimate to look into the origins of Russiagate and try to understand how this developed and whether foreign governments were actually involved in it. And it appears that they were, starting well, with the well, Ukrainian government. Well, we definitely know the Ukraine was deeply involved in the interference in the 2016 presidential election. Now, back then, I mean, during the Russiagate hoax, the Democrats were adamantly opposed to foreign interference in the election. But as soon as Donald Trump and Bill Barr and uh, John Durham start digging into the actual misconduct there. Well, they lose their minds the very next day after uh, um, Robert Mueller reported that there was no collusion. They start this new um, offensive against the president to try to impeach him because he's digging into what happened in the Ukraine. Um, But this is just clear evidence plain as day that the ukrainian government interfered in the 2016 election and helped influence the russiagate narrative that trump was secretly colluding with russia and so this definitely deserves investigation and that was really the source of trump's phone call with zelensky Uh, And so this is kind of being left out, especially in CNN and MSNBC, but it's really being left out of the discussion. Then you have Trump going to Australia, asking the Australian government, which is another tool of the United States, just like you. Yeah, the president definitely should ask about uh, the corruption in the Ukraine and Joe Biden's knee deep in it. Joe Biden's supposed to have some sort of magic immunity now that he's running for president of the United States. That's not a reason not to investigate. That's more reason to investigate. That takes us to the end of another week right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to invite you back again tomorrow on Monday for another edition right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. Well, I had to do that thing nobody wants to do. Tell mom I can't come home for the holidays. With COVID-19 spreading fast, I don't want to put my favorite people at risk. So I thanked her for the invite, told her how much I wish I could come, and that I hope she can understand. Of course, it helped that I offered an alternative. She's finally going to teach me her apple pie recipe on video chat. We'll make up for the missed party when we can. Learn more at coronavirus.wa.gov gatherings.